Well, welcome to our Generation Podcast, and unusually today, I've got two guests, two of my favourite people, and one of them's not me, strangely enough. So, uh, on my right is David McLeod. David is the Minister of North Harris Free Church, and on my left is Ali McDonald, who was one of my colleagues up in Smithton Church, where Ali is a community worker. She works for the church up there. Now, they have, uh, they're in Edinburgh today for a very particular reason. As you know, the Mission Board run our mission through a platform called Generation. There's four elements to Generation. We have Generation Church planting, and of course, the vision there is quite clear, to plant 30 new churches by the year 2030. We've got Generation Global, and the idea there is to support churches internationally, and we're happy to do that as we support missionaries in places as diverse as Poland, Mauritius, uh, Nepal, and many other interesting places all around the globe. We've also got Generation Church Development, where we look at church health, so like revitalization and, and development and coaching, working with strategy, working through giving churches annual health checks. But the fourth strand is called church equipping, and uh, David heads up that element of it. So David, can you just tell us a little bit uh, what's it all about? What were you talking about today in your meeting? Well, we started today, David, by uh, thinking about um, just the word equipping. It's equipping that you've mentioned there, and we we looked at the word equip in Scripture. We looked at various passages where uh, we are uh, taught to to be people who will equip uh, the church for works of service, and and, and to. We thought about discipleship, we thought about the, the different aspects of, of church life and uh, just how we can be people who are close to Christ and like Christ uh, and, and people who can encourage each other uh, in our walk with God. We know that Jesus uh, said that uh, he's the vine, we are the branches. If we're to be fruitful, we're to be close to him. Um, and if we drift from him, if we're apart from him, we can do nothing. So. We really thought about different areas where we could encourage um, an intimacy in our walk with God. So what specific things have you been talking about? I know that camps are one thing. For example, last year in the Free Church, Free Church Camps, we did 11 camps and we had 308 campers and 137 leaders and cooks. So apart from camps, what else do we do? Well, Sunday school obviously has been going on for many, many years and uh, that's something we talked about. There's lots of different resources within the, within the free church and, and trying, to, trying to identify where there's, where there's really good practice, where things are working well and uh, where that can be shared. Um, and uh, we're looking at how we can pull together resources like a pack of resources that could be could be shared with those who, who who feel that they're lacking in, in these areas and so yeah and there's of, other things going on in the free churches now we're trying to start a really a culture change within the denomination and one of the things that we want to change in our culture is that in training so there's a couple of things we put in place for training young people isn't there one of them would be the the boot camp can you tell us what's that yeah, I mean, the boot camp has been running now for, what, two or three years, and uh, they're 
have been uh, various uh, young people in the church that have been identified as potential future leaders. And so uh, they go away for a, a week a year. I think it's around about June time in the summer. And uh, they are, are put through uh, you know, various aspects of training, both physical and spiritual. And, uh, and, and that's something which has been headed up by Neil McMillan. Uh, and yet the, the mission board have a, an interest in that and we, we, we hear back how things are progressing with that. Yeah, it's a pretty intensive course. I mean, not just spiritually, but also physically they do workouts and they go into quite in-depth theology and practical stuff. So there's, there's a boot camp, there's Sunday schools, there's various things. Ali, I've known you for a long, long time and you're not a natural committee person. You, you're a doer rather than a talker. But I was just in a meeting for a few minutes this morning and I sensed a degree of excitement from you can you tell us the sort of stuff you spoke about today and the stuff you do in your work what excites you about the work of generation i'm really excited about the work of generation and i think to be part of the church equipping group is fantastic because if we're equipped to do something well the better that we can do it the better we can serve our lord you know, so I think if we're equipped, we there's excellent good practice in the church, as David has mentioned already. And I think if we can share that good practice and that we can equip people at different levels, you know, from your church leadership right down to our children in our Sunday schools and everything, I think it's exciting. One of the things that we were discussing was about um, cross-generational, you yeah. know, because our Older people have got so much to offer our younger people and our younger people have got a lot to offer our older people. So one of the things that we were discussing today was maybe to set up generational stories mm -hmm. so that we can learn from one another. We can learn how their faith has impacted their lives in different ways and just to see God at work in ordinary people working in an extraordinary way is really exciting. Okay, so we can expect as well these generation podcasts, which are maybe longer, they're about <clears throat> 40 minutes, can we expect maybe to see some video clips of older people telling their stories? We are hoping so. They'll not be as long as 40 minutes. We're talking maybe five to seven minutes. Um, but just to hear their story of God at work in their lives is exciting. Yeah, I think it's so important that folk know that the church is not just about young people. It's not just about folk who uh, you know are apparently edgy, but really is just about ordinary folk telling about their encounters with the Lord Jesus. David, I want to talk to you a little bit about discipleship. That's part of the equipping thing. One of the feedbacks that we're constantly getting from congregations is a lack of discipleship. Now, you've a minister, you're a very experienced minister. How do you get a culture of discipleship into an ordinary congregation? Just an ordinary congregation of people, as it were, just off the croft. How would you as a minister go about discipling them? I think that uh, what Ali's mentioned already is, is quite a big factor in it. It's just the, the connections between um, the different generations. I think in the past, I'm in Harris, as you, you mentioned at the right. beginning, and uh, in the, the islands, I think there's been a, a culture in, in past years where older and younger generations came together uh, and the older 
um, people who had been maybe longer on the road in the faith, uh, they, they spoke to the younger people and, and there was a, there was an almost, there was a, there was a discipleship which was, it was unconscious but it was very effective. And that has been something which is, is less pronounced in past years and that's something that we've been talking about as a mission board. But one of the things I would want to do as a minister is, is try to encourage that within the congregation. Uh, have uh, the different generations speaking uh, to each other, encouraging each other, listening to each other, uh, sharing stories of faith, having accountability, um, and just opening these conversations, which perhaps sometimes need a bit of a kickstart now, that, that didn't so much in, in past years. Okay. Ali, think about intergenerational stuff. I mean, you, you come from a fairly large resource church where there's young and old. What do old folk have to bring to the table? And the opposite, what do you think young folk have got to bring to the table of discipleship? I think old folk bring experience. You know, their life stories are really important and we can learn from them. The world that young people live in is totally different to their world when they were younger. So I think that we have to connect where they're at. You know, they use technology much more yep. than older folk would have done in the past. So some of that discipleship can take place using technology. Um, one of the ways of discipleship that I think I've really grown is being part of a prayer triplet. And although we meet physically, maybe just once a month, we connect through WhatsApp uh, on a weekly, you know, every two or three daily basis. And that's a great way of accountability and learning together from each other. Yeah. And what do you think uh, young folk have got to teach old folk? Oh, there's a good question. That is a great that question. That is a very good question. I think they, they've got enthusiasm, yep. they've got passion, they're wanting to serve, they want to serve well, and yep. how do they do that? And I think we can learn from them. Yeah, because young folk, I mean, folk complain that young folk aren't engaged, and we know that politically they're certainly engaged. We may not, you know, champion the cause uh, of environment and stuff like that as much as we should be, but, you know, they take to the streets, they've got a passion old folk have seen things and it's really good to see uh, these two things come together. I think one of the things that you were talking about, I don't know if it came to anything, was the daily devotional. Uh, is That that yeah. could be a thing. David, can you tell us a wee bit about that idea? Yeah, one of the, one of the elders in the congregations that uh, were represented there today, uh, we were hearing that he's He's uh, written a, a year's worth of devotionals. Really, this is a, a more mature man who's, who's thought about sharing his faith with, with his family and written really with his grandchildren in mind. Um, and so we thought this would be a great thing to be able to share more widely. Uh, and with the young people within the church, uh, they have devices, they have phones, they have tablets, and uh, there's a particular medium where we can reach them with devotional um, works like this. Uh, and, and it connects again between the older and the younger ones. It gives encouragement uh, and, and there's a blessing in that. And so uh, we, that's something that we, we hope to be able to roll out in the next few months. Mm. And uh, we, 
we haven't got a final uh, confirmation of that, but we hope, we're hopeful <laughs> that's going to happen. Yeah, one of the features of the Free Church of Scotland, and I'm very conscious that not every one of our listeners belong to the Free Church and maybe are even involved or invested in it. But one of the differences over the last few years is that we've we've expanded a little bit and, you know, we, we have churches in places like Montrose and, and Gardenston. Um, we've got church now in Lanarkshire that we didn't have before. And one of the great ways of keeping in touch is praying for one another. Um, Ali, have you benefited from these initiatives? Totally. Um, Every week we get prayer notes about different churches and where they are at. Um, So it's just great to hear how other churches are operating and what their prayer needs are. It makes us aware of what God is doing nationally, not just in our own place. But I think anything that involves prayer and praying for one another, we all grow through that no matter what. Yeah, I mean, the pace of life and life itself changes so much and, you know, change happens whether we like it or not. One of the big changes in our church culture uh, is that not everything is done by ministers anymore. Uh, And we love acronyms in the church. And so we've got these groups called the Nows. And that's not opposed to the yesterdays, but the, the nows are the non-ordained worker. Now, that you may not think that's a great name, but it's what we've got. Uh, Ali, you're in fact a now. You, you're a, a non-ordained worker. You were one of the first. So we're trying to, to train them. As you talk to your other nows, what's the sort of stories that they're telling and how can we resource and equip the nows, the non-ordained workers, for gospel mission work? I think there's a whole range of nows within the church. Some are community workers, some are youth workers, some are pastoral workers. So there's a range of different duties involved. But I think getting together, sharing experiences, learning from one another, um, Some people are very isolated. They don't work in a team situation at all. They're very much on their own. And I think it's important that we pastorally care for every now so that they felt that they're cared for, but also that they've got, they can meet in group settings just to learn from one another and request specific training that might help them in the role that they're in. Yeah, and it's been great to see them now is working away and we've got them in many congregations, not just doing youth work, but doing counselling work, uh, women's ministry and various other things. David, you minister in Tarbert, that's Tarbert Harris. There's lots of Tarberts about. Tarbert Loch Fine is another one. Um, it's a rural situation, but I mean, I've, I've visited your congregation. It's buzzing a few Months ago, I was there at one of your mission conferences, and it was simply amazing. Folk very often talk about a division or a distance between the highlands and islands and the lowlands. Now, I sense that one of the things that you're doing in North Harris is really just trying to reduce that that gap. Do do you think it's as big a thing as people make out? And do you see yourselves as a distinctively rural church in in your thinking and in your mindset? Um, Not, I wouldn't say we think of ourselves as a a particularly rural church. Uh, Like you you say, we 
we're quite diverse in terms of age, in terms of background. We have um, we have people from the locality, from uh, Tarbert, Harris, from Scalpy, close by. We have people um, from different parts of Scotland. We've got some from India. We've got people who are away uh, on mission work in, in dangerous countries at present. So we're quite a diverse group of people. And I think increasingly in the islands, that's becoming true. Uh, there are there are quite a number of people who are moving from cities uh, to to the islands, and because of that, it changes the culture, both of the place and it changes the culture uh, in the church. Which I don't think that's a negative thing. I think that's a positive thing, mm. and uh, uh, we certainly feel the blessing of uh, a broad range of people. Uh, and there's a there is a buzz, there is a an excitement about coming together with God's people from different backgrounds, different stages, different ages, uh, with the one desire, and that's to to, to worship God, to to know Christ better, and to make Him known within the community. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that we do with churches, and again, not everybody knows this, we do a thing called the annual health check. It's kind of like an MOT for your congregations. And we ask, you know, what would you like to see more of? Many of our congregations recognise that there's just a lack of diversity. And it's so encouraging that they're, they're noticing that because uh, as soon as you see the problem, then you can work towards solutions for that problem. Just moving on to another area, I'm really interested in Sunday schools. I became a Christian in a Sunday school, a Sunday school teacher in Paisley, Free Church, many, many moons ago. Ali, you've worked in education, you've worked in curriculum development. What would you say were the, the features of a really healthy Sunday school? So I'm talking here about children's Sunday school in just a local church. It's maybe not heavily resourced, but what would you as an educator be looking for in a good healthy Sunday school? That is an excellent question, David. I think it's really important that we share with our children the big story of the Bible. I think a lot of children within our congregations are really good and have a good understanding of individual Bible stories, but sometimes they don't see where it fits into the bigger picture. So I think that's a really important aspect of teaching. And I think another really important aspect is that we help the children to see that every story points to Jesus. I think if Sunday clubs, Sunday schools can achieve that, they are really help, helping to nurture faith within their children. And I think to have a successful Sunday school or Sunday club, it's important to partner with the parents because at the end of the day, the Bible tells us it's the parents' responsibility, first of all. But I think we can partner with our parents, partner with our children just to help nurture that faith from a very young age. Okay, now I noticed a very subtle thing there that you interchanged these two terms, Sunday school and Sunday club. Why did you do that? Because I think Sunday school is maybe a term that we should maybe move on from. I think Sunday club, I think Sunday school maybe gives the wrong impression as to what takes place in an activity-based, um, joyful learning experience that Sunday school or Sunday club should be. I just think it's a, t a term that we need to move on to reflect our type of teaching within 
sense. Okay, and yeah. just one more thing with you before I nip back to David. A lot of folk would say, you know, that Sunday school learning has gone backwards. Again, I'm talking to you as an educator, you know, um, in my late 50s, I went to Sunday school. I learned the catechism. I know what the scriptures principally teach. Um, you know, I've learned long, long passages of the Bible. I know many of the Psalms off by heart. We don't do rote learning anymore. Some folks say uh, it's really gone back the way. What do you think about, you know, more contemporary educational methodology as opposed to rote, rote learning? Is there a place for both? I think there is a place for both. And I think contemporary education, just to give an example, at one of our churches, a lot of the schools round about use British Sign Language and to teach the children the New City Catechism, which is a great way of teaching them the different doctrines that we find in the Bible, to incorporate British Sign Language when we're teaching that helps the children retain it. I think a lot of the singing and songs that we use with young children um, coming up, if that's done, you were teaching scripture that way yep. and they retain it through the singing. So I think we take the good of what's happening in schools just now and we don't lose, um, you know, the rote learning. A lot of children don't remember. That was reinforced in your time during schools yep. as well. That no longer happens in schools. So I think we've got to use the short time that we have with children within the church and obviously within the home to encourage them to know and understand, because that's the difference. If there's sure. a lot of rote um, teaching of the Bible, there's not always the comprehension or understanding. And I think that's really important that we explain, you know, if we're doing, um, I heard of a church that was doing a catechism and they put in the word salvation, we have to explain what that word Salvation means not just rote learn the answer okay. from it. The number one issue, and by a country mile that congregations come to us about, is witnessing personal evangelism. Folk aren't doing it, folk feel distressed by it, and they want to learn more. Number two issue, again, with some degree of clarity, is leadership. Um, David, I'm thinking here about elders and deacons. Can you enumerate? What would be the marks of a really good elder? Let's realise that we're all, you know, flawed people, that Jesus was the ultimate elder. But if you were to employ the perfect elder, perfect deacons, what would the marks be? I think if we use very simple, um, tangible uh, things, you, you want somebody... Uh, who has enthusiasm, mm -hmm. uh, who, who clearly knows Christ and who walks steady. Um, I mean, these would be things, I think, that would, that would mark out men as, as elders. Uh, you, you see a maturity, uh, you, you see a, a growth in their, in their spiritual life. They have a desire to, to, to know God better. To, they have a desire to reach out with the gospel message, uh, and and are seen to be to be doing that, and and walking steady. Um, when you see somebody consistently, whether they're um, working on a fishing boat or in a factory or in an office, um, in village life you see this especially because you see the same people over and over again, 
And uh, when there's a consistent, steady witness, uh, a brightness about their, about their uh, demeanour and their, uh, their, their spiritual outlook, then that's something that's attractive and that's something which uh, would, would, would be a mark of uh, one that you would, you, you would want to see in eldership. Someone was talking in a podcast I was listening to last week and they said that personal evangelism was not a superpower, but it was a discipline. Would you say that was exactly the same about leadership? In other words, that it's not something that you are just given naturally as a gift, but you've got to work at it. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. I think you know, one of the key words in the, in the Christian life is, is discipline. Uh, we are called to be uh, disciples. Uh, we're called to make disciples, and the active word in that is, is discipline. Uh, and so that's something I think perhaps there's been a, a shift away from in, in years gone by, where if it isn't something that you're enthusiastic about and if it's not something that you're passionate about, maybe you shouldn't be, you shouldn't be doing that. But the heart of Christianity, there's, there's a discipline where uh, there are some times that we perhaps don't feel like praying. There are some times perhaps where it's easier to switch on the television than it is to open the Bible. But spiritual discipline uh, requires us to do that. There's some nights that you don't want to go to the prayer meeting perhaps. And yet, in my experience before being in ministry, so often on the evenings where there'd be a wrestle about whether you go out to a prayer meeting or not, uh, these would be the meetings where there was great blessing in actually being disciplined and going. And these were the meetings where God would so powerfully speak uh, in, in a way that was, uh, that was crucial for your, your working week and for the direction of life. So discipline, I think, is a, a word that was in danger of being lost, but it's a really crucial word in leadership and in Christian life in general. Right. One of the things that Church Equipping is doing is trying to equip people to pray. Now, again, folk would say, oh, I'm not all that comfortable about that. But remember what the disciples said to Jesus, Lord, teach us how to pray. And one of the things we're trying to inculcate is a prayer culture. I, I, I remember when I was at Smithton, um, you know, the prayer meeting was reasonably well attended, but we recognised you know, everyone could for various reasons. And we're trying to see a prayer culture as being beyond the prayer meeting. Can you tell us what sort of things you use in Smithton and maybe you've heard about in other churches to get that prayer culture going? Um, what other things do you use to get folk praying together and individually? I think just do it is helpful. I think a lot of people build up in their mind to be something big, especially praying aloud, you know. So again, I think one-on-one -on -one triplets, I think prayer triplets are really helpful um, as you get to know each other. We've encouraged people in the past, if they're unsure about praying aloud, to write down their prayer. I think to read some of the prayers off the Bible teaches us how to pray. And I think as we build on that in everything that we do, prayer is crucial. I heard a useful thing, if we, we want to be a blessing to the people round about us. And if you think of the word bless, B, begin with prayer. L, listen with care. E, eat together. S, share with one another. 
and the last S, share your story. Just building up simple things like that, I think, helps us together. Right, and denominationally, David, we've got a thing called the National Day of Prayer. Can you tell us a wee bit about that? Yeah, this is something that's been uh, going for, what was it, two or three years now? Uh, and uh, it's planned for the 27th of November this year. Um, and uh, that's the, the date that's been set for the National Day of Prayer within the denomination. Um, there's resources which have been prayer, prepared at present and they will be uh, sent out to congregations within uh, the church and there'll be an encouragement to, to pray um, specifically uh, and, uh, and corporately on that, on that day. There's obviously the culture of continual prayer, but that's a, a special day that's been set aside over the last few years to, to uh, encourage prayer within the denomination. Brilliant. I mean, I think a lot of our listeners who maybe belong to the Free Church, they may say, we've never heard of all this stuff. Um, you know, there may be various reasons for that. We just encourage you to talk to your minister, talk to your elders, say, I've heard about National Day of Prayer, what are we doing? I've heard about, you know, training resources, devotionals, you know, where can I access them? Um, one of my kind of many cliches is that every day is a school day. Um, I'm talking about lifelong learning, Ali. You, you've been on the road a long time. Can you tell us what are the vehicles that can be used for lifelong learning and you pick up new skills? One that I'm thinking of especially is a course you've been on recently. Right. Um, so that's a new skill that you've developed. So that's an example of lifelong learning. Can you tell us about your journey there? I think there are great opportunities for lifelong learning. I think we've got such a range of books now available. We can learn so much just in our own homes, reading books. We've, we've just got so many great resources available. The course that you're speaking about is a new one that's just come into Scotland in the last two years called Trauma Healing. And we were asked to go along to that. And it's a great course that we hope to see. It's been rolled out across lots of different countries across the world. Um, because at the end of the day, we all suffer grief, loss and trauma. And how do we put into action the one another's of the Bible, where we're told to care for one another, to love one another, to encourage one another. And just to go along, this course um, looks at good mental health principles, as well as biblical principles to help us to encourage and pastor one another through these difficult times of life. And that's just been great to meet together, to learn how to do it and to go back and to share it within our own churches. So I would highly recommend any kind of specific training like that is just really helpful to help us. Okay, right. <clears throat> Again, we're talking here about church, equipping, making the church uh, our, our centre of resourcing. David, I was recently in a part of Glasgow where it's got a very big South Asian Pakistani community and also a big Roma community. Now, both these communities are marked by very strong family bonds, very strong fellowship, really huge community. Sometimes, think about it for a minute, we're asking people 
to come to a building where there's just lots of meetings. Now that is really not attractive to a group from that, these particular ethnic backgrounds. Not only is it not attractive, it's probably not biblical. I mean, we see ourselves as preachers, we set up our stall, we preach, we have various meetings. Do you think, <laughs> it's a bit like motherhood and apple pie, do you think that the church should be more than meetings? And if you think that, which I hope you do, how can we make it a place where there's authentic, big, meaningful community? That's a big question. Um, the church is at more than meetings. Well, certainly the church is, is more than, than meetings. Um, I mean, the commission we've been given is a commission to go uh, and make disciples. And so the, the, that sense of movement is a sense of movement uh, out from uh, the, the people of God meeting together into the community. Um, and so that is something which is absolutely key. Yes, we come together to church, uh, to a particular building, in, in, a, in a spirit of worship. We come to worship God. We come to encourage each other, as we are told to not uh, get out of the habit of, of doing. Um, but then we go out into a community and uh, we are called to share the, the gospel message and the things that we say and in the way that we live. And so uh, the movement is, is, is not a movement simply of calling people to come in to another meeting, mm -hmm. um, but it's the, the day by day, uh, hour by hour, sharing uh, our lives with each other. And I think that's what needs to happen before there is a desire amongst people who don't yet know Christ mm -hmm. to come in and, and try and discover what is it these people are, are actually talking about. But that, yeah, that, that means, doesn't it, that's quite demanding. It means opening up our homes, opening up our lives. You know, I don't want to use a string of cliches, but being vulnerable and offering true community to people. Yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, going to ask, I'm going to ask you both the same question today in conclusion. Um, and I'm going to ask Ali first. At your meeting today, as you are talking about church equipping, is there one thing that stuck out in your mind as being, oh, that sounds really good, and if God were to bless that and use that, that would be good. So I'm looking for one takeaway from today from you and one takeaway from our earnest friend here, David. I think our idea to make a resource pack on different themes, whether it's partnering with parents, discipleship, family, whatever it is, we're, we're planning four or five different kind of resource packs. I think it's just a really useful, easy to implement thing once they're made. We're in the process of having to get them made. But I think we can learn so much from one another. And at the end of the day, if these resource packs help us in discipleship to grow in our faith, to know Jesus more, and then we can equip others to share that faith, then I'm really excited today about the plan to do these resource packs. Now, folks, re remember, I keep saying it, I'm conscious that not everybody belongs to Free Church, but these podcasts, we hope, will be valuable for folk from any church. So the issues that we're talking about, we want you also to raise in, in your own congregations and talk about them. So again, this is 
you know, we're asking here, we want to provide resources. You tell us what resources you would like and we'll see what we can do. David, what was the one big takeaway that you got from today? I think the the thing which I take away today uh, in particular is just that uh, that desire and that determination to try to encourage there to be a, a greater dialogue, spiritually speaking, between the the older and the younger uh, generations. Um, I think we we do see this to uh, to an extent in, in the congregation and to to watch a. A little boy who's seven uh, chatting away to uh, an old man who's 70 about something that they, they heard in the children's talk or in, yeah. in Sunday school um, is a, a great and it's an encouraging thing. Um, and that's something I think if we can, through the resource packs uh, and through these different apps and sharing of resources, uh, if we can just increase the dialogue between uh, the older and the younger generations, I think that would be uh, a thing of, of great blessing because there's so much for us to to learn from each other. Well, as an amen to that, one of the reasons for the name Generation, which is the mission arm of the Mission Board, what we do, one of the reasons is that it links generations. You know, it's a, not just a Presbyterian idea, but one generation teaching the next generation the faith flowing down through the generations as we generate within ourselves um, spiritual health, vitality and love for the Lord. David and Ali, thank you both so much for coming into our makeshift studio and talking a little bit about church development and we hope that you both have a safe journey home. Thank you very much, David. Thank you, David.